But the word of the day today, kids, is uh, devoted. And so every time you hear the word devoted, uh, you can make a note of that and, um, and be listening for that word as well today. We also have over here, I know, some little pieces of paper and such that uh, you, can, you can grab parents if you want to help try to keep your kids engaged. But I love it, man. I, I love kids in worship way more than I love kids out of worship. And um, I know some of you parents are like, oh, it's so tempting to go to that church where they just take my kids the whole morning. I get that. I really do. I really understand that line of thinking. Um, but I don't know if I believe it to be the thing, at least for us. And I used, to, I used to lead some of those kind of programs when I was doing youth ministry and stuff. And I, get, I do get it, trust me, as a parent myself, I get it. But um, there is something powerful about kids watching mom and dad, watching grandma and grandpa, worshiping. There's something about a kid just crying that's actually powerful. Jesus brings the little kids to him and says, unless you become like one of these, that's, it's actually something about it that's teachable, that we can learn from. So I love it. I love it. Um, this, we're in two, week two of our series. We're in week two of our series that we're calling Distracted. Last week, I, I, um, I kind of came after you. I'd encourage you to go listen to last week's message because I believe last week's message is incredibly telling to where we are as a culture, but where we are as just a people too. Uh, where I am. I've been wanting to do this series for basically all summer long. I was praying through when I should do a series on, on us being distracted, but I've been noticing how easy it is for me to be distracted from the things that are most important in life. And um, what we're going to use as our focus text through this series, through this series, we're going to use Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And we're going to use this over the next couple of weeks. So let me read this, then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to try to engage this a little bit, okay? And they, who's the they there really quick? The they is Peter just got done preaching a message. There's a mass conversion of like 3,000 people who get connected to the church. Pentecost just happened. And Peter now preaches a message. And this is the Peter who was following Jesus around, okay? Jesus has ascended into heaven already. That was about 50 days earlier. Jesus ascended to heaven. Now, Peter preaches this message, Three um, kind of a mass conversion takes place, and these new Christians, along with the disciples and apostles, the they is them, okay? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and they were distributing to the, proceed, the proceeds to all as any had need. 
and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray, and then we're going to try to engage this a little bit. Father, thank you so much for this time to be able to just be together, to hear your word, uh, to receive forgiveness, to sing praises to you, to offer our tithes and our offerings. Um, what an incredible gift the Sunday morning gig is to us. God, we're sorry for where we've maybe despised it or, 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 or not seen it as that big of a deal, but this morning we're committed. We're, we're here. We could be other places, but we're here this morning. And so God, may you honor our hunger for you. May you honor our thirst. Maybe some of us are here. We don't even know why we're here. Maybe some of us are here because we were dragged here. But may you honor our presence, our being here. And now may you stir up in us, stir up in us a hunger and a thirst, God, for truth and for, for us to not just hear Seth today, but may we hear you speak to us, God. Please help me, God, to communicate clearly the message you've kind of put on my heart for us today. And uh, may I just share what you have for us, not a word more and not a word less than that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, recently, I asked uh, Jackie, my wife, if she could teach me how to sew. I got a picture here of me sewing, okay? Any guys out there know how to sew? I'm looking for some other manly men kind of people. Oh, man, okay, a couple. Okay, okay. We can maybe start a club here or something. I asked Jackie, I said, hey, babe, teach me how to sew. Will you just teach me? And this, I'm looking very serious there. But it's because I really am just, I was really trying to focus in on it. And so now I know how to take the little string and like, and, and wrap it around. Um, you know, if you're looking at the sewing machine, you, you follow the directions, sometimes down. And then it says, the little arrow says up. And you, you go through. And then you go through the little eye, uh, the needle thing. And you put it through there. Um, then there's a little ball with some other string stuff on the bottom. And you put the little ball in and you bring the string up. And it's up. Why are you laughing, Miss Beth? Why are you laughing? I'm just telling you what I know. I'm just telling you what I know. And then when the needle, I know that's what it's called, the needle comes poking down into the fabric. It somehow, I don't still get it, but it somehow crisscrosses or something and it starts to create your, your, your line. And I know now that you are, uh, I know how to use the little knob thing to get different patterns. You can do zigzaggy stuff. I know, it, now this might surprise some of you, but I actually know how important it is when you get to the edge of something, you actually have to back it up a little bit. Did you know that? Okay. Just, you back it up a little bit, it's kind of like a crisscross pattern or something like that. And that just kind of tightens everything down so you don't get loose threads and stuff. So I now know how to sew. And I'm really excited about this. And um, that was kind of my dream is that I could, anytime I wanted, apart from Jackie, if I wanted to, I could bring the sewing machine out of the closet, put it on the kitchen table and I could sew. Now, 
This is me sowing. Now, I, I also like to hunt. I, and I've used illustrations a lot. In my illustrations, I've used the hunting world, right? I like to hunt. And, but it's interesting because hunting is very different to me than sowing. Hunting for me, is, when I get into the hunting world, like when I enter into a woods or something like that, I know so much at such a deeper level what to do. Okay, I know how to, I know how to walk. I know how I'm supposed to dress, how I'm supposed to smell or not smell. Uh, my eyes, I, it's interesting. I think people sometimes think of hunting as just like, a, you're kind of lazy, you just wait. No, like, well, you can do that, but I'm, I, you know, my, my peripheral vision is constantly looking for movement. Um, I, I walk into the wind and I'm, I'm noticing wind. If you're elk hunting or something, you can actually smell elk before you see them. Uh, your sense of smell is, becomes part of it. How you see and look and if you want to be as attentive to be binoing all the time. Like hunting and, and, and sowing are things that I both know, but I'm devoted to one of them. I'm devoted to one of them, and I'll let you figure out which one I'm devoted to. Uh, the, the, the sewing thing, I know, and I can kind of say now a few things about it. The hunting world is, and I'm not a great hunter. I'm not like this amazing hunter or something. I'm not saying that. But I am saying I understand the ins and outs of it so much more. And as I think through the process, I've sat down with Jackie one night, but the hunting side of things like my brothers and my dad and my uh, 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 brother-in-laws and stuff, I've watched them, I've, I've seen them, I've, I've learned from them, I've watched hunting videos, I've immersed myself in that world so that I might learn and, and understand at the deepest kind of levels possible. I've shot my bow, I've shot my gun, I've sighted in. I, I just, I get that world so much more because I'm devoted to it. I'm absolutely committed to it. Uh, there's very little that would let, I, I could be distracted from ever sewing again. You know what I mean? Like, it won't surprise me if the next time I'm at a sewing machine is a long time from now. I don't want to. I want to learn more and I want to get better at sewing. I really do. But it, it's so much easier for me to get distracted from that. The hunting thing, it would be harder for me to get distracted from it. This year, I've invested money's dollars into a feeder. I've invested money. I'm going to be going on a hunting trip to South Dakota this year with my, with my siblings and my dad. And, and, and I'll be investing monies into some of those kinds of things. I'm, I'm just, it's less, it's going to be less, it's going to be harder for me to get distracted from something like that. And it's interesting because as we look at this, this um, text today from Acts chapter 2, it says this, and they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's all I'm going to preach on is that thought today. The word devoted there is a word in the Greek called proskatereo, which is like to, con to, to, to attend to it constantly. They attended to these things constantly. They devote themselves to these things constantly. And then it says here, to the apostles' teaching. 
to the apostles' teaching, which is actually the, the Greek there is the didache, the, the teaching or the doctrine of the apostles. They're committed to this. Actually, it is, it, you can actually translate it as doctrine. Sometimes people put doctrine as this terrible thing. No, it's not. It's the doctrine. It's the teaching of the apostles. And our culture, guys, has got us so distracted by so many different things, some of which is really good, a lot of good stuff, right? Mowing your lawn, great. Taking the kids to ball practice, great. Going to your job, making money so you can pay your bills, great. All sorts of distractions that are really good. They're not bad things. Some things are bad. We're distracted by some stuff that's not good. Watching a movie, not bad. Bad. Binging on Netflix week after week, maybe not so good. Our iPhone and how easy it can be to just pick the thing up to get more info, maybe not so helpful. There's, there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. I'm not just harping on bad stuff. What I'm harping on is the fact that that stuff can easily distract us from the stuff that matters most. It just can. It's so easy because we're, we got so much stuff coming at us. And what fascinates me is, is, is these early Christians, and I'm not even suggesting that these are the only four things or something, but it's fascinating to me that they, it says here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we see this play out time and time again. And it's why I was like, I want to get our church thinking about these four things, not as necessarily the end all, end all, four things. Maybe there's five, maybe there's six. But why is the, is the early church saying, we are devoting ourselves to this? So here's the question today. Really two things I want to look at. What is the apostles' doctrine what is the apostles' teaching? What does that mean? And the importance of pausing to catch up with that. That's where we're going to go quick. What is the apostles' teaching? Look at Matthew 28. Kids, if you got your Bible, you can quick open up to Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Jesus says, ooh, I see some Bibles moving, so I'm going to give that a second. I like that. I like that. I'll look with you here. Matthew 28. This is a good one. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. It says this. Are we there pretty close? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How? How's it going to happen? By baptizing them. Then what? By baptizing them and teaching them Teaching them what? Everything I've commanded you. The stuff I've talked to you about. If you were reading through the book of Matthew and you got to that part, which is the very end, it would drive you to want to go reread it. Go and teach the things that I've been talking to you about. Where do we find out where God's been talking to us? Well, from what he's been saying to us. So part of the apostles' teaching is simply the teaching of Jesus. What's Jesus been teaching? 
The apostles are those who actually were walking around with Jesus. They spent time with him. They listened to his teaching. And so as Jesus now dies on a cross, he, he rises from the dead, and now he ascends into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. He's now ascended, and the apostles begin to teach what? They begin to teach what he was teaching them. So the apostles' teaching is the teaching of Jesus. That's not all. The apostles' teaching is also, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want you to see this. This is a kind of first creed of the early church. It's kind of creedal here sounding. When we say oftentimes here at the dwelling, we say the Apostles' Creed, sometimes the Nicene. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ. We go through that creed, right? A creed is simply you're saying, this is the, this is the, this is the core, man. This is the, sometimes the creeds get a bad rap as like being so hard and so difficult. That's not what it's meant to be. It's actually meant to be the easiest, simplest, most basic stuff. And here, we have the Apostle Paul kind of saying a creed. Listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 3. For I delivered to you, he's talking to the church in Corinth, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. What did he receive? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. And then he goes on, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul is saying this. What is my point? Part of the Apostles' teaching is the life, follow this thought, the life, death, resurrection, ascension, and one day return of Jesus. His life that he lived on our behalf. His life of coming to live the life that you can't live. See, at the end of this message is kind of this final thought where it's like, yeah, but you can't be fully devoted. You're not fully devoted. This is why Jesus comes to be fully devoted to the Father's will, to die on your behalf, to live the life that you can't live, to, to pay the price for your sin, to pour his spirit into you. His life, his life, being the life that we then get connected to in Christ, we get all of the goods. Remember last week? In, no, no, that was two weeks ago. Man, that message was a good one. Wow. That was a good one two weeks ago, if you haven't listened to that one. In Christ is where we find all the goodies, where we find all the goodies. But the apostles' teaching is the teaching of Jesus, the stuff coming out of his mouth, but it's also his very life, the life he lived. And now the apostles begin to tell people about him and how he lived and how he died and how he rose from the dead. Do you see, do you understand what I'm saying there? Okay, 
So part of it is his teaching. Part of the apostles' teaching is the life of Jesus that he lived. And then lastly, I'd simply say this, 2 Timothy, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I just want you to see this as well. Verse 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is, every, all of scripture is breathed out by God. And so I want to include in the apostles' teaching here that they understood that all of scripture is part of this apostolic teaching. The life of Jesus fits into a whole biblical worldview, a whole biblical story from creation to fall to redemption and restoration and one day new creation. The whole story, the whole gamut of history, all of it pointing to this one named Jesus. This is the apostolic teaching. This is the apostolic doctrine that the apostles heard, that they saw, that they got to witness, along with 500 others who saw the resurrected Christ. And now that good news, that the Evangelion, the 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 the. the the gospel gets passed down from one person to the next person to the next person until thousands of years later, we can sing songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so you can say that, but you can also say things like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for my parents told me so, or for, my, for the church tells me so. Do you see that? The, it gets passed down. We, we share it. We, we hear it. We hear it and we get to share it with others. And it's all the apostolic teaching, the apostles and their eyewitness account. And, and, and it's the life and death and resurrection of Jesus that was, it's not just floaty niceties. It's grounded in history. It's our basis for hearing. It's also our basis for sharing. Devoted to this. They are absolutely committed to this. Absolutely devoted. Because they recognize something. They recognize that the apostles' teaching, the doctrine of the apostles, the teachings of Jesus, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, the biblical worldview was not just information that just kind of our brains toy with and play with. Let me just say this a little more. They actually recognized that, that, that God's word, the teaching of Jesus, the teaching of the apostles, they recognized wasn't just information, but it was also that which would bring transformation. See, they recognized that when God's word goes out to bring the law and to bring gospel, it actually does something to the soul. It does something to the heart. It's, it's, it's not that it's less than information. It is that, but it's also more. 
our minds and our hearts. You know, today, if you're here and you're an atheist or, or you're agnostic or a skeptic or something like that, and you, you're like, yeah, but my brain needs to work. That's good. That's good because God, listen, your, your brain needs to process some of this stuff. That was why two weeks ago, I tried to enter into a very difficult convert, a very difficult topic. Because I never want atheists or agnostics or something to think that the church shies away from really complicated stuff. We'll engage that stuff all day long. And God does use our brains and he does use our questioning and our searching and our, that's good, that's not bad. If that's where you are today, God meets you in that moment. He meets you where you're at. A lot of us have been there. And that's okay. Some of us are still there today. But it's not just information. When the power of the Spirit of God comes alongside that information, it moves to transformation. And some of you can testify to that, right? Some of you can say, yes, I know what, the, I know what you're talking about. That when the law gets preached, when we get told at the beginning of the service, you're a bunch of sinners, that actually does a work where we, we, it shows to us, I am a sinner. I am broken. Or, or you do something where you shut your heart down and you shut your ears down. And you, no, 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 no. That's the other move you can make. But see, that's what the, gospel, or the law actually does, is it shows us our sin. It shows us our fragileness. It shows us our weakness. It shows us our poor in spiritness. And see, that's what the law does. The law comes to reveal to us our sin. It's not the only thing that the law does, but one of its, uh, one of its uses is that the law actually shows us who we are as sinners so that the gospel can come in and be the sweetest thing you've ever tasted, ever heard. It, it's, it'll be the sweetest thing because you'll recognize through the law that you're broken and you're a sinner and in need. And the gospel comes in to say, yes, and that's why I've come. And I came not because you're so cute and precious, but because you are a sinner and the only way that you'd be saved, your only hope is grace and mercy. And so Jesus goes to the cross and Jesus rises from the dead. He's doing all this. Why? For you. And he pours his spirit into your life. And he just keeps pouring and he keeps pursuing and he keeps working. And when you begin to recognize that, when you begin to hear that, it's the sweetest thing. There's nothing sweeter. When you, follow me here, when you actually realize that he loves you as a sinner? Do you see that? He doesn't love you when you get cleaned up. You clean your life up and then he'll love you. No, when you actually recognize what the true gospel is, that he loves you and came and died for you even when you are his enemy, Romans 6, when you begin to experience and know that to be true, it's the sweetest thing you'll experience. That you are a child of God? That you have the keys to the kingdom? Not because of a jack squat thing, nothing you've done, 
but because of his grace and his mercy. When you wake up, this morning I woke up and I just spent some time on my knees thanking God. God, you, for some reason, you love me. You've allowed me to be your child. Are you kidding me? And just to bask in that? Not because I'm special, not because I'm so amazing. No, because I'm a sinner. I am in need. I'm not special. I'm the worst of sinners. And then that's the law. I know that. The law does that. It shows me that. And then the gospel comes in and is like, even in spite of that, I love you. And you get to be with me forever and ever. Holy, are you kidding me? That's that transformation of the gospel. And so it causes us, this is my last point here, just really quick, stick with me. It causes us to pause. This, the importance of the pause. I mean, I love that even as, as they get transformed, these early, these early Christians get transformed, they become Christians, and then immediately, the very next thing is they devoted themselves to. They set their priorities. They set their priorities. It, it, it feels a little bit like it's a, a bit of a pause. This is gonna be what I devote myself to. I have spent zero dollars this year on sewing. Zero. I watched one YouTube video, I will admit that. Remember that YouTube video we watched? Learn how to make a bag. I've watched one YouTube video on sewing, but I've spent very little energy on sewing. When it comes to the hunting world, um, Jacqueline has, has oftentimes said, do we really need that much in that line item for the budget, you know? Because I'll, I'll dump money into that. I'm devoted to that. But you gotta pause and say, okay, where am I gonna devote myself to? There's a story in the Bible, Luke chapter 10. If you wanna start looking up, you can. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse like 40-ish. There's a, a story where Jesus comes to these two ladies, Mary and Martha, these two sisters, Jesus comes into their house and Jesus is sitting on the couch and, and Mary comes and sits at Jesus' feet and she's listening. And then look at what verse 40 says here. Look at, what's, look at what happens with Martha. And you've heard this story before, but just check this out. <clears throat> uh, verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what? I don't think I have this on the screen. She sat and listened to his teaching. I'm gonna listen to your teaching, Jesus. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Notice that word distracted. She's double-minded. The Greek kind of has a bit of a play on that. There's a double-mindedness. She's got so many things going on in her mind. She's ah, just... She's kind of two paths and she's kind of choosing to play all of it. She's distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her. And I, I hear the word pause in this a little bit. When, she, when Jesus says, Martha, Martha, 
Martha, Martha, no, no, just pause. Martha, Martha, just stop for a second. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And we all know the answer to this is not that serving is bad or Jesus is trying to smash serving and downplaying serving. No, of course not. Jesus is bringing a teaching here to Martha that, that sometimes you have to pause. Last week I shared, being busy in and of itself is not bad. Jesus was crazy busy. Busyness is not necessarily this wrong thing. You could argue God actually sets it up where we work six days and rest one. A lot of us get two. It's kind of fascinating. It's not that busyness in and of itself is this wrong, bad thing. It's when we don't pause to check if we've been distracted from the more important things. And that's really my call to action for you today. Pause. My prayer, my prayer is that today would be a bit of a pause. That we would just pause and reflect and think about. You know, my wife and I, we were talking, Jacqueline and I, we were talking with our phones now. Guys, we have so much access we have so much access to information. And one of the things that's concerning to me is that we don't, and Jackie shared this the other day with me. She's like, we don't, we don't ever process stuff anymore. We get information and the next move, the next move is just more information. I gotta watch the next video. I gotta watch, you know, it's even set up where it just moves to the next video and, it, and moves to the next social media post and it, it connects us all and all this and it's, it's just more, 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 more and we never just stop and think. We don't ever just pause. Am I being distracted like crazy? Last week was telling to me that I could get you all to fall trapped to my little twisted plot. That was really telling to me. I went home and I told Jackie, I was like, Jackie, do you think people understood what I was trying to do there? Because that illustration last week was so powerful to me personally, because I knew I'd have been tricked just like you. You don't think the enemy that's been around for thousands of years can do a better job than me to trick you to fall into all these distractions and keep you from the thing that matters most? I mean, this is what the enemy tries to do, guys. He tries to get us to have so much, in, he tries to get us to think that we just need a little more information. And then that, what it does is it puts you in control. This is what he did with Eve. Did God really say? Do you remember when the enemy told Eve that? Did God really say? He's trying to put Eve in the driver's seat. Eve, maybe you don't know everything. Maybe you don't have enough information. And if the enemy can trick you into thinking that you just need one more thing, a little more information, a little more information, a little more information, so that you can stay in control. When's the last time you just paused to sit and listen to the teaching of Jesus? You're doing it right now, by the way. 
Right now, this is, this is a picture of sitting to listen to the apostolic teaching, the apostles' doctrine. And it comes, it's normed from the word of God. This is how we have it. And so if I say anything to you today or anytime that's ever contrary to God's word, that's when you have to say, no, that's not the apostolic teaching because this, this now is how we have it. This is a gift from the Lord. And so we get access to it and I get to preach it. It's one of the best jobs in the world. All I got to know is one book. <laughs> Being a pastor's easy, folks. Those poor mechanics, they got to keep figuring out all the... Pastors, we got it easy. One book, boom, study it, preach it, share it. The apostles' teaching, and when we sit and we listen to it, and when we make it a part of our daily rhythm of being in it, we get to study it. We get to, we get to spend time with Jesus and pause to let it not just be information that we see. Church Sunday can't be, and I think some of you treat it like this, Sunday can't be just another one of the million stops for information. It, it can't just be another added thing to all of the other information. It's actually the place, and this is what I was trying to say with the law gospel stuff, it's actually the place where, and not, not just here, but when we're in God's word, and, and sitting at his feet and listening to the apostolic teaching and doctrine, it actually is not just information, but it's actually transformation. His spirit working with that word brings about a transformation of my heart and life, guys. And I begin to look more and more like Jesus, not because of me, but because of his work, because of what he's doing in my life. It's just more gospel. We get distracted so easy. I think the call today is simply be, what does it look like to be devoted to the apostles' teaching? Does that mean making family devotions? Notice that word, family devotions, devoted. Spending time in the word with your family. Does it mean taking a step in that direction? Does it mean spending some time in the morning or evening with the Lord on your own? Does it mean making Sundays a more of a committed kind of part of your rhythm? What's God asking you today? And my prayer is that maybe it's quiet enough in here. Not, not like sound-wise, but just that today could have been a time for your heart to be stilled enough that you can hear him whispering to you what that next step is. And at the end of the day, guys, it's, it's be, we can do that because he's devoted to us. He's, if you look at that word, that Greek word, because devoted has a little bit of a weird, but he's devoted to you like he, he continues to tend to you. He's devoted to you. Let's pray. Lord, wow, thank you for this incredible time. Uh, that we can set aside to hear from you, your teaching, your life, and hear about that life of yours that you live for us, and then even just to put it all into the context of the whole biblical worldview. Thank you that this is, uh, that we can spend our whole lives hearing from you, hearing from your teaching, um, and um, 
please continue to just give us the strength to take the next step that you have for us, Lord, that we would, that we would pause long enough to see if we've been so distracted that we've lost sight of the things that are most important in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We continue to submit to your, to your teaching. And we're just gonna keep following you as you lead and guide. In Jesus' name, amen.